Lord Jesus, have you felt welcome in our world this Christmas? We're grateful that our soldiers are back from Iraq in time to be with their families. But really now, in Asia, have you been welcome? In the Middle East, have you been welcome? Across the continent of Africa, have you been welcome? Throughout Europe, both Eastern and Western Europe, have you felt welcome this Christmas? And what about right here in the United States, North America, South America, the islands? We're so grateful, God, that you had this idea that we call Christmas. You chose to come into our world. Would you help us grasp it this morning with a fresh new understanding of what it means? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Watch one more song that's very powerful. That's what we've been doing, isn't it, as a world for the last several days, weeks, months. We've been gathering around a, a story, haven't we? I wonder what this Christmas Sunday will be like for the world. Last evening, following our second service, two men approached me, brothers. One saying to me, I've come to the end of myself. I need help. Could we talk? We did. I opened God's answer book. He trusted Jesus Christ to be his savior. We came out of my office and one of our dear brothers in this church was sitting with a woman on the bench by that door. Most everyone else was gone. She had basically said the same thing to him. He had opened God's word to her. And she had trusted Jesus Christ last evening to be her savior. And then that woman and the young man that I prayed with walked across and greeted one another as mother and son. Both of them at the same moment in two different places in this building trusting the Jesus of Christmas to be their savior. Some months ago, I had the privilege of visiting one of the homes here in Williams Bay of one of you dear folks. There was a large group of us there, and I noticed stenciled on one of the walls a statement that so struck me, I picked up one of the napkins off the table we were having hors d'oeuvres, and I wrote it down. Here's what it says. Life is not measured by the number of breaths we take but the moments that take our breath away. Oh my, do you see why I wrote it down? Could I read it for you again? Life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but the moments that take our breath away. Now let me ask you, do you suppose that this was one of those moments that simply took people's breath away. Yeah. 
But that little baby didn't stay a baby. And as that baby grew to be a man, that man did things that took people's breath away. Blind people saw. Deaf people heard. Crippled and lame people got up and walked. Dead people came out of the tombs. Moments that take your breath away. And then that man, rejected by the human race, went all the way to the cross. And don't you suppose that as he hung on the cross, it was a moment that took people's breath away. As all of human race and our history hung in the balance. As his body was placed in the tomb, those who watched, don't you suppose it was a moment that took people's breath away? Is it possible that it's all over? It's hopeless for us. We've killed God. But then that Easter Sunday morning when he came out of that tomb victorious and in the days that followed when he showed himself to be the risen Lord Jesus, don't you suppose those were moments that took people's breath away, huh? And then as they stood on the hillside with him that afternoon and he elevated right in front of them and he returned back to heaven, don't you suppose that that was a moment that took people's breath away? So what I'd like to ask you to do this morning in just a few minutes on this Christmas morning, yes, we want to come to the manger, but let's step back away from the manger for a moment and let's step up into heaven. A couple of pictures that might help you with that. that I mean, you know that I just love looking out into outer space. Candy, you got a couple of pictures there of, look at that, isn't that a magnificent galaxy? that just seems to proclaim Christmas in the beautiful colors. Or how about this next one? I think you got one more for me there. Yeah. Oh, my. The Jesus who came here at Christmas made that, my friends. Do you agree with that? And then I love this next one. It's actually one that's in motion. Watch this galaxy as we're able to step right into it. Look at it. Watch this carefully. Oh, my. What do you see? Isn't that spectacular? And the God who did that came here in the person of Jesus Christ, right? So this Christmas, for just a few moments, let's step not into the stable alongside of the manger. Let's step up into heaven next to him. And let's imagine what this Christmas looks like standing next to Jesus, the risen Jesus who had come here and looking at our world. And do you suppose it's possible that Jesus would say to us, I'm glad you did the Advent candle this year. It's really important. You see, because my coming had been anticipated for hundreds and hundreds of years. And that's why I had spoken to the prophet Isaiah, among others. And you see that I have a scripture for you there in your notes. And if you'd like to open your Bible for just a few moments, please, to Isaiah chapter 9. Because God had said to Isaiah, and he wrote, For to us a child is born. He was looking forward 600 years. To us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government, his kingdom, and his peace, there will be no end. He'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forevermore. 
And the zeal of the Lord Almighty, the passion, the determination of the Lord Almighty will accomplish these great things. Yes, I can imagine Jesus saying to us, I'm glad you lit a candle that celebrated the fact that I came in response to the hunger of a human race that for hundreds of years had been saying, God, we're hopeless without you. I wonder if Jesus would then say to you, I'm glad you lit a second candle because when I came, I came as a servant. Do you remember that I said when I was among you, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. As you and I might be standing next to Jesus this Christmas, I look around the room and several of you and me, we have family members and friends who have preceded us that are there in God's presence. Isn't that right? You ever think about what heaven must be like on Christmas Day? Oh my goodness. You think the music's been wonderful here and it has been this morning, but can you imagine what Christmas worship is like in heaven with the millions and millions who have preceded us? When Jesus said, I I came as a servant, he wasn't saying, I came as a slave. He was saying, I came as an ambassador to serve the Most High God, my Father, to accomplish on this planet his great purposes. And that's why I wrote for you in your notes there, Jesus the Christ came to earth at Christmas in obedience to God the Father's will and purpose. And he invites you and me, his followers, to find our greatest fulfillment in serving his Father with him. Our theme over the last many weeks has been come close, draw near to God, because as you do, you'll find the great joy like this little child of finding true fulfillment and purpose in life when you're living your life in fulfillment of why he made you, why you're on this planet, why you exist to be a man or a woman that brings great glory to God and peace on earth, great joy to those around you, huh? What do you think about this statement? Christmas is not an intrusion. And yet, isn't it true that over the centuries, much of the human race has said, God, you intruded into our world. Get out. Christmas is not an intrusion. It's an invitation Christmas, would you say it with me? Christmas is not an intrusion. It's an invitation where God is saying, I've come there to be with you, to invite you to know me and to understand what life could be like for you. So what was the invitation that Jesus, the servant of the Most High God, was inviting us to? I've jotted down a couple things in my notes. You might want to jot this down. First, he was inviting us to look up to to the place from which he came and, and to realize that God who created you is a great God and he would like you to gain his perspective on you and your life. So over this next week, the last week of 2011, I want to suggest that you spend some time asking God, God, what's your perspective on me as a person? God, what's your perspective on my life, my family, my relationships, my career path, my choices. God, I want to look up this week and I want to gain your perspective. God, I want to listen. I want to listen to your truth because Jesus said, 
I've come to tell you God's truth. So I want to hear your truth, and I want to understand how your truth impacts my life. And God, I want to learn from you. I want to learn what a difference this Jesus who came here could make in my life so that I could live my life like he did, serving the will and the purposes of Almighty God. I wonder if Jesus would say if we were standing beside him, so I'm glad you lit one candle that celebrated the fact that I came in response to the call of the human race. I had told you I was coming. You anticipated my coming. I'm glad you lit a candle that celebrated that I came serving God the Father, his will, his purposes. I'm glad you lit a candle that celebrated that I am the Son of God. Jesus, the Son of God, remember that the angel had said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and you'll give birth to a son, and he'll be the Son of God. I came from the Father. I entered the world, Jesus said. Now I'm leaving this world and returning to the Father. May I suggest that Jesus didn't come as some kind of an alien. Even though he's fully God and fully man, he came, my dear friends, as a son, and that son reaching to you in invitation says, I want to invite you into relationship with God. Not religion. I'm not inviting you to religion. I'm inviting you to, say it with me, relationship. Do you know the difference between going through the motions of some religion and actually living in a relationship with God? And Jesus the Son said, I'm inviting you to understand that it's not about rules and regulations. It's about receiving and living your life in response to God's outrageous, unconditional love for you. Right? And he's saying, I'm inviting you to understand that God would love to have you as a part of his family. So you could call him Abba Father, Papa. And he could call you son or daughter. And then when you pray, you're able to pray father because he is. I wonder if Jesus would be saying to you, I'm glad that you lit a candle celebrating Advent, that that I came in response to your cry. I'm glad you lit a candle that celebrated that I came in service to the king, my father, and that you can live your life in service to him. I'm glad you lit a candle that celebrated that I came as a son. And I'm glad that your little candle that celebrated that I came, I came as your Savior, your Savior, because that's why I came. (laughs) I came, yes, to be born miraculously. I came to live, to take your breath away with all the things that I said and I did, but that's why I came right there. And let's understand, that's why I came. Because if I didn't accomplish that, You, human race, that I love so much would be hopelessly lost because you can't help yourself, right? We can't help ourselves. Uh, This nature that we're born with just keeps sinning, and you and I are affected by our own and by everybody else's. The gentleman that sat across the table from me last night, he says, I can't find my way out. Out of the mess that I found my way into. Jesus had said for God so loved the world that he sent me his only son so that you you don't have to perish but you can have eternal life 
the angel had said, you're to give him the name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sin. Last week we saw in Hebrews that, that Hebrews says that Jesus is able to save completely because he went to the cross. He also rose and then he returned back to heaven where he reigns. And so I wrote for you, Jesus the Christ came to proclaim God's truth, die an atonement death, rise victoriously from the dead, return back to heaven so he could accomplish rescue and reconciliation and restoration for any and every person. So the Savior's invitation, it seems to me, is this. I'm inviting you to be delivered from your despair because you can't deliver yourself. I'm inviting you to a whole new future free from your past. I'm inviting you to live every single day victoriously over the things that used to have a chokehold on you. I'm glad you lit a candle celebrating my advent. I'm glad you lit a candle celebrating that I came serving the God that you can serve. I'm glad you lit a candle celebrating that I am the son of the Most High God. I'm glad you lit a candle celebrating that I came as Savior but I'm glad that on this Sunday you lit that center candle that I am king. Amen? You see the scriptures that I have for you there in your notes about his kingship? You see, the angel had said, the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. I can see Jesus saying, you, you see, I, I was born into the human royal line of David. That was important for this dear group of people that I love so much, my people, the chosen people, the Jews. But when the Magi came, is it possible that the Magi are saying to us in our modern day, that whole Middle Eastern part of the world and all, all the way across into Asia, that world that is so embroiled, did you see it in the news this morning, that there were perhaps as many as 60 Christians that were killed in northern Nigeria as another outlash from those who are opposed to knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. As those magi came from the east, from an unnamed country, could it be that God was saying, I am the great peacemaker. I have come, Jesus said, to be the peacemaker in your world where this infighting so easily kills innocent people. They came saying, we've come seeking the newborn king. Do you remember that Pilate had asked Jesus? And I wonder if Jesus would say to you and me if we were standing next to him today, I remember when I stood before Pilate and he just bold-faced asked me, Are you a king? And I responded, Yes, I am a king. And it's for this reason that I came into the world, to testify to the truth. And everyone who is on the side of truth listens to me. I am the king of truth since I'm the author of truth. I wonder if Jesus would say, I remember I was having that discussion with that scholar Nicodemus, and I explained to him, if you want to see my kingdom, you need to be born again. Being simply born of water is not enough. You've got to let me do a spiritual rebirth in you. And then I wonder if Jesus might say to you and to me, if we were standing next to him, just look around. Anybody you recognize here? 
I sat down this morning and I sent an email to my sister who lives in Hong Kong and my brother who lives down in Mundelein and my dad and who has now moved back up from, Rockford, from uh, Florida and he now lives in Rockford there at Fairhaven. I said, I'm just writing you from the town of our roots. I drove through little East Delavan Cemetery this week. My great-grandfather who started our family heritage here his body is buried there and his wife beside him. He was, they were one of the charter members of this church. <laughs> I drove by the little cottage on some would call it Norwegian Hill over here in Williams Bay where the Salvesons, my grandparents, used to live. Longtime members of this church. <laughs> we looked at some videotape this week of Haiti where Don and I lived, where I grew up because I'm having the privilege of taking some of you in this room there in just a few days. A medical team is going from this church to Haiti. I'm taking them, may I say, back home <laughs> to the place that's home to me. And so I said to my sister in Hong Kong in the email, I praise God for you, Linda, and where you are, and as you look out of the 17th floor of your high-rise building where your apartment is, I can't imagine looking out at the harbor of Hong Kong, but you're there by God's sending. Represent Jesus well to the people of Hong Kong on this Christmas. And to my brother, we all miss your wife who's now been gone from us almost three months at age 53. It's a different Christmas for you, my brother Ted. I can imagine how you're feeling. But can you imagine if you could step into heaven today right next to Jesus? She's there with our mother who 28 years ago stepped into God's presence. She's there with our grandparents. She's there with our great-grandparents. So look around heaven, my dear friends, all of you this morning. Who do you see there that has already gone before you? And Jesus is there. And they're there because of Jesus. Isn't that true? They're there, yes, because he came and they laid him in a manger. It was a moment that took everybody's breath away. They're there, yes, because he was the truth speaker and he spoke God's truth. They're there, yes, because he did the miracles and he proved himself to be God incarnate. They're there, yes, because he went all the way to the cross to pay for their sin. They're there because, yes, he came up out of the tomb. Amen? They're there, yes, because he showed himself alive to hundreds of people. They're there, yes, because he went back to heaven where he reigns today as king over all that he has created and over every single person that he has chosen to give life and breath to. They're there because they chose to believe he is who he claimed to be. God incarnate, giving his life to pay for their sins so they could have life in him. And so the king extends the invitation to us this morning. A couple of things. First, he says, I offer you peace. Peace with God. Peace with yourself. Peace with your past. Peace with your future. Peace with one another. I am the king of peace, and I offer you peace if you'll come to know me. I offer you royalty because I am the king of kings. That means when you become my son, guess what? You're a prince. And when you become my daughter, you're a princess. Think about that, princesses in the room. You are princesses of the king of kings, Jesus himself. Amen. By the way, you look like it this morning. Amen. And I have come as the king to give you, to offer you an inheritance. 
that can never perish, spoil, or fade that I'm holding for you in heaven. So when you come to the end of your earthly journey, I promise I will bring you into my presence. And that's why the last verse I have written down there in your notes, it's a book out of Revelation. (laughs) Wasn't that great when that young man stood before us this morning and just spoke God's word memorized at his young age? Wow. (laughs) Look here. Therefore, before me was a great multitude from every nation, tribe, and language. And all the angels were standing around the throne of the King of Kings. Jesus the Christ is eternal king over all creation. His kingdom is available to all, but only by his provision. His reign is sovereign and holy. The last line of what I wrote in your notes is the most important thing I'll say today. Is Jesus your Christmas king by your appeal? Have you appealed to him, inviting him to be your king, and by your submission, yielding your life to him? So what does heaven look like when you stand next to Jesus? And what does our planet Earth look like when you stand next to Jesus? Because this morning, Christmas morning, I have to believe that Jesus is looking from the throne room of heaven at our planet. And as it becomes morning in every time zone of the world, he's watching. Who's going to gather? Yes, around the Christmas trees and the presents and the food, but who's going to gather and look up? and invite me to be their king. I'm glad you've come as a people anxious for God to be king, for Jesus to be king in your life. Lord Jesus Christ, in this moment, every one of us listening to my voice here in this room, by CD, by DVD, we have a moment to ask ourselves the most fundamental question of life. Who is Jesus? Is he my king, my savior? God, God, would you move in the hearts of every one of us in this room right now? We praise you and we thank you for your offer to us today, this Christmas invitation to recognize you, Lord Jesus Christ, as the King of Kings. In your name I pray. Amen. You may notice in your worship folder I have placed a card that I have prepared. I'm urging you to take that card this week and to spend some time reflecting on your year 2011. Seven questions that I've listed for you there, and then I'm urging you to bring it back with you next weekend, having reflected. First question, how am I different as a person today from who I was one year ago, Christmas 2010? What were the most significant events in my life and my family this year, 2010? What did I learn about God in those events? What did I read this year that most impacted my life? How did my relationship with God change in the year 2010? 
What was the single most important life lesson I learned in the year 2010? And you're ready for the last question? The last question. What was the most significant decision I made in 2010? Some years ago, a musician sat. They tell us he was inspired. And in a remarkably short period of time, he penned what has become perhaps the greatest anthem of all time for the King of Kings. Let's worship him. <laughs>